Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. So I have the trick question for the week. Yeah. <laughs> you walk into a room that contains a match, a kerosene lamp, a candle, and a fireplace. What would you light first? Say it again. You walk into a room that contains a match, a kerosene lamp, a candle, and a fireplace. What would you light first? The match. The match. (laughs) 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 Okay, and I have a few snarky life hacks. Okay. It says, don't ask a girl where she wants to eat. Tell her to guess where you're taking her to eat, then take her to her first guess. Hmm. Then someone commented, he's cracked a code we didn't even know we had. (laughs) (laughs) Two buddies are up late smoking a little weed. The first guy says, what time is it? To which the second guy says, I'm not sure. Here, give me that trombone. The first guy asks, how the hell are you going to tell the time with a trombone? It's magic, replies his friend. And as he says that, he lets out a long, low belt on the trombone. He stops and waits, seemingly expecting something. Suddenly, a loud voice calls out from the room above, Who the fuck is playing a trombone at 3 (laughs) a.m.? This one is naughty. Pro tip, save business cards of people you don't like. If you ever hit a parked car accidentally, just write sorry on the back and leave it on the windshield. That's rude. (laughs) Starting your day with an early morning run is a great way to make sure your day can't get any worse. Yep. That's true. (laughs) My wife asked me, why don't you treat me like you did when we were first dating? So I took her to dinner and a movie, then dropped her off at her parents' house. (laughs) (laughs) Asshole. If you have a girlfriend and hear a noise outside at night and are too scared to go look, just be like, I told this girl to leave me alone, and she'll always get up and check for you. (laughs) That's horrible. (laughs) Do you suffer from anxiety attacks? Are they often caused by stupid people? Get an emotional support honey badger. Unlike other companion animals that snuggle up and provide physical comfort and a safe place during anxiety attacks, the emotional support honey badger instead physically attacks and savages the absolute living hell out of the stupid idiot bothering you, (laughs) thus removing the source of the anxiety. I like that. I do too. Perfect. (laughs) If you get bitten by a a shark, bite it back. You'll probably die, but the shark will be like, LOL, what? <laughs> this one is horrible. Tinder is for rookies. Go to Facebook Marketplace and search for wedding dresses. It'll show you recently divorced females in your area, and from there you can filter by size. Aww. Dick. I got out of high school twice in four years by going to the dean's office, pulling aside an assistant, 
and telling her that I farted and shit my pants a little. Perfect excuse to get out of the second half of the day. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to check. No. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else gets anxious about phone calls, but a little tip I've learned is if there's a phone call that you don't want to make, before I start dialing the number, I carefully hold the phone out in my hand and toss it gently into a lake. <laughs> I hope this advice helps you. Maybe if phones weren't $1,000 now. Yeah, really. And this is an actual tweet. I hope they're kidding. How do people drown? Just drink the water, LOL. Oh, my God. They're probably not kidding. Probably not. Oh, my goodness. This is a tweet says, I lied to her that I can play chess. Now she wants to play me online. How do I learn chess in 30 minutes? Some guy commented, Make her use white, open another chess app as white, play her moves, and reply with whatever the computer plays. <laughs> In college, we named our intramur intramural softball team no game scheduled because if the other team didn't show up, they lost their league deposit and forfeited. It worked several times. Everyone hated us, and nothing as cool nothing that cool has happened to me since. <laughs> I just told my son that if he uh, that he could mind control me if he rubbed his fingertips all over my head and chanted mind control quietly. And that is how you get a free scalp massage from your kid. <laughs> That's brilliant. How to prevent theft. One, lock your car. Two, take your keys. Three, hide your belongings. Four, Fill a decoy purse with a thousand angry poisonous bees. <laughs> I got to start eating soup around people. People can't ask for a piece of soup. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't get hired for an unpaid internship, it literally makes no difference. Just show up and start working. What are they going to do? Pay you? <laughs> My favorite life hack is to put movies I want to watch on my to-do list. So when I'm just sitting around watching movies, I'm technically getting stuff done. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, this is a tab or a dating hack. Uh, delete a letter of his name from your contacts every time he makes you upset. When his name's gone, he's gone. <laughs> this is a text conversation. It says, uh, are you eating healthy? They put, yes. Today I made aged organic milk tossed over seasoned tomato puree spread on whole wheat. Wow, let me see. And it's a picture of a piece of pizza. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> this one says, cute date idea. Go donate blood together and save six lives collectively. Then go buy a six pack of wine coolers to share and get absolutely blacked out drunk for $8 due to the disproportionate blood to alcohol level. <laughs> Cheap. Hey. They were. <laughs> uh, this is a question asked. Says, hi, could I ask how exactly does one accidentally set a lemon on fire? Someone commented, microwave for 40 minutes. Then they said, why were you microwaving a lemon? I read boiling lemons helps cover up bad smells. 
I wanted to cover up the scent of burnt oranges, but I didn't own any pots. Did you burn an orange too? How? They put microwave for 40 minutes. <laughs> Says if you're feeling depressed, try, tr try drinking some coffee so you can have anxiety instead. <laughs> I don't get anxiety when I drink coffee. I don't think they're really coffee drinkers. Cause, mm. And this is my last one. My male friend told me he'd rather go for a girl in a relationship because he'd be up against only one other guy. But if she was single, he'd be up against like 20. <laughs> That's stupid. I know. <laughs> All right. Those are mine for the beginning. All right. I did 12 true stories from history that are truly horrifying. Ooh, okay. okay. The first one is the imprisonment of Elizabeth Fritzel in 1984. When Joseph Fritzel asked his daughter, Elizabeth, to help him with the door to the cellar in their family home, she had no idea she was sealing her fate within its confines. At the time, Elizabeth was 18 years old and for the next 24 years was held captive in that cellar by her father. At first, she was chained to metal posts. Her father reportedly removed the chain a few months later because, according to an indictment, it was hindering his sexual activity with his daughter. Ah. During her ca captivity, Elizabeth was left alone in total darkness for multiple days and threatened with electric shocks and poison if she tried to escape. The same threats were made to the children once they began arriving. Oh, my God. In 2008, it came to light that Fritzel committed incest and produced seven children with his daughter. It was only after one of those children needed medical attention and was taken to the hospital that the horrors Elizabeth had faced were revealed. Fritzel was arrested and later pleaded guilty to rape, incest, and imprisonment. He was also accused of homicide after authorities learned one of the children he'd fathered by Elizabeth had died. Fritzel ultimately pleaded guilty to that charge, too, commenting, I don't know why I didn't help. I hope that he would pull through. What a piece of shit. Seriously, it's awful. The murder of Junko Furuta, 1988 to 1989. In November 1988, teenager Junko Furuta, and I don't know if I'm saying that right at all, was abduct abducted, raped, and murdered by a group of boys in Masato, Japan. In the first hours after being attacked and brutalized by Hiroshi... Miyano, Furuta endured additional torture and was repeatedly violated by several of Miyano's friends. Miyano, Shinji, Minato, Joe Agura, <laughs> and Yasushi Watanabe repeatedly sodomized and beat Furuta, later killing her, setting her on fire, and putting her body into an oil drum. Oh Furuta's God. remains were discovered in early 1989. All four youths connected to the crime against Furuta were teenagers themselves at the time, but were tried as adults in the aftermath of their arrest. Despite this, none of the offenders received more than 20 years in prison. Miyano, who received the longest sentence, was released from prison in 1999. Holy shit, that's horrible. What is wrong with people? Seriously. The Hanging of Timothy Evans in 1950. Timothy Evans was hanged for killing his wife, Beryl, and daughter, Geraldine, in 1950. 
He was, however, innocent of those crimes, which wouldn't be proven for more than a decade. Mm -hmm. When Beryl and 14-month-old Geraldine were slain, police focused their entire investigation on Evans, who actually confessed to the crime. He was a nervous man who was known to drink, and the authorities posited he'd done away his pregnant wife and their child over money. The crime actually took place at the hands of John Christie, a World War I veteran who testified against Evans at his trial. Oh my God. This didn't come to light until 1966 when it was discovered that Christie was a serial killer. The Evans family lived in the same building as Christie, and in 1949, he may have been approached by Beryl for an abortion. It's possible that after Beryl died during the procedure, Christie killed young Geraldine as well. After Evans' execution, Christie moved out of the building. Years later, the new tenant smelled the decaying remains of three additional women Christie had killed and hidden behind his kitchen cabinets. More bodies were found in the yard, including Christie's own wife. Oh my God. Fucked up. The Lake Nios? Nios? N-Y-O-S? Nios? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. The Lake Neos disaster in 1986. Unbeknownst to residents of the area around Lake Neos in Cameroon, a limnic eruption in August 1986 sent as many as 1.5 million tons of carbon dioxide into the air. Caused by a volcanic eruption or earthquake that shifts the ground, the, the rare natural disaster killed more than 1,700 people as well as thousands of livestock within a 15-mile radius of the lake. One survivor, Ephraim Nyongkum, <laughs> described people dying, people dead all around him, while another man, Chia David Wambong, <laughs> recalled, Everyone started to cough and some people vomited blood. I saw people on the ground screaming. Everyone was crying. More details are described in Survivor Joseph Nequain's account. I could not speak. I became unconscious. I could not open my mouth because then I smelled something terrible. I heard my daughter snoring in a terrible way, very abnormal. When crossing to my daughter's bed, I collapsed and fell. I was surprised to see that my trousers were red, had some stains like honey, I saw some starchy mess on my body. My arms had some wounds. I didn't really know how I got these wounds. I wanted to speak. My breath would not come out. My daughter was already dead. I managed to go over to my neighbor's house. They were all dead. I got my motorcycle as I rode through Neos. I didn't see any sign of any living thing. I was un unable to walk, even to talk. My body was completely weak. Oh my god, it's terrible. Oh my gosh, what is up with these names? <laughs> the life and death of Haj Mahad, wait, Muhammad Misfui, 1906. Haj Muhammad Misfui was a serial killer who in 1906 was charged with the deaths of 36 women. The cobbler and public letter writer, he wrote missives for people who were illiterate, had an, had an accomplice, a woman, woman named either Anna or Rahali, Rahali 
Together, they dragged and killed their victims and buried their remains under the near Misfui's workshop. Once their crimes were discovered, Anna was reportedly tortured to death, while Misfui was sentenced to death by crucifixion. Later, his sentence was changed to immurement or being walled in alive. Before that, he underwent daily torture. Whipped with switches of thorny acacia, stripped to the waist, and while two assistants held the victim's arms outstretched, the city executioner laid on the spike rods. Ten strokes were given each day, and each stroke drew blood. After each flogging, the cobbler's back was toughened and anointed with vinegar and oil. The dailings the daily whippings went on, and when it was seen that Miss Fuey was falling into exhaustion, it was decided to carry out the supreme sentence. He was chained to the recess of a wall where the public threw animal waste at him. Masons then put down stones up to Miss Fuey's head as he, he was given water and bread and then entombed. For days, crowds listened to him scream, even yelling back at him at times. After he finally succumbed, it was said people were disappointed that he met his end so soon. Hmm. Crazy. The Attack of the Dead Man, Men, 1915. The so-called Attack of the Dead Men refers to events that took place during the battle at Osevet's Tower, Osawike Fortress. I don't know what that is. On August 6, 1915, German forces hurled two prison gases, bromine and chlorine, at their Russian counterparts. Both gases irritate the respiratory system, and when mixed, they form a toxic acid. The Russian troops did not have protective gas masks and resorted to cloths to cover their faces. This did little to stop the men from coughing up blood as the grass turned black all around them. Russian soldiers did not immediately surrender, they would later in August, but rather embraced anger and fury as they headed toward their prisoners, the Germans. All the German forces saw were Russian men with acid-burned faces covered in blood charging at them. According to an eyewitness, the men advanced with the sole purpose of crushing the Germans in what has also been described as the attack of the corpses. Hmm. The Hinterkaifeck Murders, 1922. The Hinter murders involved the unexplained deaths of six men and women at a Bavarian farm in 1922. Andreas Gruber, his wife, Kazilia, and their daughter, Victoria Gabriel, were slain alongside Victoria's two children, Kazilia and Joseph, as well as the family's maid, Maria Baumgartner. After the younger Kazilia, age seven, didn't show up to school on April in April 1922, and the entire family missed church soon after, neighbors became somewhat concerned as to the as to their whereabouts. Andreas, disliked by most people who knew him, was found dead in the barn, along with the bodies of his wife, daughter, and granddaughter. The bodies of the maid and two-year-old Joseph were discovered in their home. An investigation into the mysterious murders led authorities to several suspects. Everyone from a local robber who had escaped a mental hospital to the family's closest neighbor. The case remains unsolved. That's a crazy story. Mm-hmm. 
The Moorgate tube crash, 1975. 40 people, 43 people lost their lives in the deadliest accident to ever take place on the London Underground. On the morning of February 28, 1975, a tra train carrying 300 passengers approached Moorgate Station, but didn't slow down. Oh my God. It was traveling between 30 and 40 miles per hour with Leslie Newson at the controls. At 8.46 a.m., the six-car train slammed into the overrun tunnel, a dead end. An investigation later revealed that the brakes had not been applied and Newson in the front of the train made no move to stop the collision. The first two cars and most of the third were crushed upon impact. The station went black, as described by survivor Javier Gonzalez. As darkness came, there was a loud noise, metal and glass breaking, no screams, all in the fraction of the second one takes to breathe in. It was all over in no time. That's crazy. When emergency personnel arrived, they reportedly found a carriage half at the platform and half into the tunnel, but on a slant up into the ceiling. As firefighters and other first responders went deeper into the tunnel, they looked for individuals trapped in the debris. Don Pye, a photographer from the London Fire Brigade, captured images of the scene and later described it. In one doorway, there was a row of businessmen, some still with their briefcases, standing as they would have been, waiting for the train to stop, but all dead. Oh my God. Emergency workers spent six days looking for survivors, while the crash was eventually attributed entirely in the behavior of motorman Newson during the final minute before the accident occurred, no motive or reason was ever found. Holy shit. That's crazy. Yeah. The Matamoros cult killings, 1986 to 1989. Born in 1962, Adolfo de Jesus Constanzo went from Catholic altar boy to leader of a ritualistic cult by the mid-1980s. Based at a remote ranch in Mexico, Constanzo and his followers performed ritual sacrifices to bring good luck to associates like drug dealers and corrupt public officials. He and his minions also stole body parts for their ceremonial sacrifices, but soon escalated to killing humans instead. It's believed that between 20 and 100 men and women lost their lives before cult members abducted Mark Kilroy in Matamoros, Mexico, which borders the Rio Grande, in 1989. Kilroy was an American student whose disappearance and ultimate demise led to Costanzo's downfall. After authorities in the U.S. and Mexico tied Costanzo to the crime, they raided his ranch and discovered the remains of 15 mutilated bodies, one of whom was Kilroy. They also found drugs, what appears to be a satanic temple, pornography, and a torture chamber. For his part, Costanzo passed in May 1989. He had one of his followers kill him to avoid having to face the police. Hmm. So he's a coward, too. Yes. Hmm. Nice. The disappearance of Bobby Dunbar in 1912. While on a fishing trip with his parents and brother in August 1912, Four-year-old Bobby Dunbar vanished. Percy and Leslie Dunbar lived in Louisiana with their children, and in the immediate days following their son's disappearance, alerted authorities, but a search revealed very little. 
A reward was offered, but it wasn't until about eight months later that someone saw a boy resembling young Bobby in Mississippi. The man who had the boy in his care, William Cantwell Walters, was arrested. Bobby's parents were reunited with the child, but they weren't sure if it was him. The would-be Bobby didn't seem sure of Percy and Lessie either. Ultimately, Bobby was taken home by the Dunbars, met by a grand parade and countless well-wishers upon their return to... Opelousas, Louisiana. For his part, Walters identified the boy as Bruce Anderson, his illegitimate nephew. The boy's mother, Julia, confirmed it was, in fact, her son. Walters was put on trial for kidnapping as the media speculated about whether or not the young boy was Bobby or Bruce. Walters was convicted of his crime and spent two years in jail while Bobby was raised by the Dunbars. In 2004... Relatives of Julia Anderson and the would-be Bobby Dunbar took DNA tests to finally solve the mystery. The results revealed that Bobby was, in fact, Bruce. It's still not known what happened to the real Bobby Dunbar. That's so weird. It's crazy. The King of Clipperton Island, 1917. Named for John Clipperton, an English pirate from the 18th century, Clipperton Island is located off the coast of Mexico. Once home to a large guano mining operation controlled by Britain and Mexico, the island is now under the authority of France. During the early 20th century, Clipperton Island had a very small population of mostly women and children. The last male resident, lighthouse keeper Victoriano, Victoriano Alvarez, decided to appoint himself king of the island and began enslaving, raping, and killing the other inhabitants. He took the live five women. When he attacked a sixth, she killed him. In some tellings, the woman lured Lord Alvarez to his demise. In 1917, a ship from the U.S. landed on the island and rescued the remaining ten inhabitants. Six, seven by some accounts, children, and four, possibly three women. I'm just going to make myself king. How'd that work out for you? (laughs) Fucker. (laughs) The Franklin Expedition, 1845-1848 to When Captain John Franklin set out from England with his two ships, HMS Erebus and HMS Terror, he had a complement of more than 125 men. The group was tasked with exploring the Canadian Arctic and unknown aspects of the Northwest Passage. Franklin, his skilled mariners, and his ice-strength ships were were reportedly seen near the entrance of the Northwest Passage about two months after their departure in May 1845. They were never seen again. Based on what was discovered three years later by rescue ships, it appears as though the expedition became trapped in ice. Graves and notes left behind by men who abandoned the ships and set out into Nunavut, Nunavut? Dating from 1847 and 1848 provide details about their fate. Franklin was said to have perished on June 11, 1847, after nine officers and 15 men had already lost their lives. It wasn't until 2014 that the Erebus was located. The terror was found two years later. The discovery of both ships didn't solve the mystery as to what went wrong in the 1840s because the ships were found some 45 miles apart. Hmm. And that's it. All right. So we got another listener email. Woo-hoo. This is actually from um, 
we read her email a couple of weeks ago and she didn't sign it. We weren't sure about saying her name, which she's fine. She wrote us back. So this is from Sharon. Hi, Sharon. It says, hi, ladies. First, thank you so much for reading my last email. So fun listening to you to read it. Also, sorry for no signature. I was composing my email at work. And of course, that's the second everyone needs something. <laughs> Uh, okay, so it says I have a few spooky things to share with pictures, so I will post these on Facebook on Tuesday. It says you'll see two sets, before and creepy. Both sets of pictures were taken seconds apart. The first set harkens back to an episode of yours, Helltown Trash Documentary on Travel Channel. <laughs> Fuck that mockumentary. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I live about 20 minutes from there. It's a beautiful little town. Yes, some shady shit went on uh, there back in the day. The parts of the documentary that are fake are anything to do anything to do with the two dweebs. The rest is pretty spot on. I go hiking down the road they were talking about all the time. Nothing too spooky. I do, however, believe there to be protective spirits in the cemetery there. Before the town was a town... The settlers moved the Native American dead from the land and used it as their own. To me, it looks like they may have just laid a few feet of dirt on top of the existing Native one. This is supposed to be the reason for the protective spirits. I believe I have captured one of these spirits in a photo. In one, you will see a tree with the sun shining through the fork in the tree. There's leaves and whatnot that you can see. In the next, it's all dark, and to me, it clearly looks like a woman standing on the other side of the tree, sort of leaning through the fork, arm wrapped around the right side. You can see her long hair in the photo as well. Seems as though she was just watching us, making sure we were not up to anything nefarious. Second set, we were at the Licking County Jail in Ohio, taking a ghost tour. Just us, the guide, and one other couple. The tour is in the dark, just a flashlight. During this tour, I experienced more crazy stuff than anywhere else. I saw a full-on sheriff in the living quarters. He walked past me and brushed my shoulder as he did. Crazy. I felt something play with my hair. In one cell, I got dizzy, nauseous, and overall felt really ill. Found out after that this is the cell someone tried to kill themselves by lighting themselves on fire and hitting themselves in the head. I have to believe I felt what he did. As for the pictures, one is down a row of cells. At the end, there is a sign that says exit. These pictures were taken in complete darkness, just my phone flash. In the second, there is clearly a large, dark, man-shaped mass blocking out half the sign. It's like I took the, pic the first picture, and this thing was like, what was that? And kind of stepped out to for a second to see, and I caught him. What the fuck? It was so close to me. Gross. <laughs> anyway... Thanks again for your podcast. Hope you enjoy the pictures, Sharon. So, yes, of course, we looked at them and they are awesome. I will definitely put them on Facebook on Tuesday when the episode comes out. And again, thank you for writing in. We appreciate it. Thanks, Sharon. Okay, now this week I did parents share their time, uh, the time that their kids saw a ghost. Okay. First one, my husband's grandmother. Um, mom, mom, ma'am. How do you how do you say that? Mom, mamere, mamere. Okay. Absolutely adored our first daughter. She passed away when our daughter was just nine months old, so our daughter doesn't remember her. 
But a few years after she died, our daughter started talking about a babysitter who took care of her at night. We didn't really think anything of it until one day when she saw a picture in her baby book of Ma Mare holding her and she yelled, that's my babysitter. She visits me every night. Aww. That's sweet. Next one, when I was a child, I often, I was often awakened at night by a bald man crouching in the corner of my room. <laughs> he was holding a knife covered in blood and mumbling about killing them all. My parents and sister never saw him, but they did tell me that the previous owners of our house had all either died or committed suicide there. <sighs> Next one, my mom and her siblings grew up in a 100-year-old house, and they said they'd always see a green lady standing next to the linen closet or peeking into their rooms at night when they were supposed to be sleeping. Well, it wasn't until years later, after my grandfather died, that my grandmother admitted that she had always seen a green girl around the house, too. My grandfather died when he sleepwalked and fell down the stairs in the middle of the night. My grandmother said she thinks the green girl scared him into falling. Hmm. That's crazy. When my daughter was three years old, she started telling us that she was being woken up in the night by a man who kept tickling her feet. <laughs> but she said it didn't scare her because he was always smiling. We figured she was just dreaming until we came across an old picture of my grandparents on their wedding day. And my daughter pointed at my grandfather and said, that's him. That's the man who tickles my feet. My grandfather passed away when I was six. Wow. That's, That's creepy. creepy. It's creepy. Grandpa, Grandpa you no. suck. <laughs> Don't. I always try and so hard to be funny. And <laughs> it's creepy. That's so creepy. Oh. Okay. At least it didn't seem to bother the little sure. girl, Sure. Sure. <laughs> it would definitely bother me. Yeah. Okay. I was babysitting my friend's toddler who was playing in her room and talking to herself to herself while I made dinner. I didn't pay it any mind until I heard her say, I said stop. So I went to check on her and asked who she was talking to. She calmly pointed at the AC vent and said, the family who lives in the vents, the little boy is bothering me. <laughs> when I was a kid, I would always see a nice man in our yard waving at me and checking out the fruit trees in our garden but no one else saw him later i found out that the man who lived in our house before us died while taking a nap in his favorite spot in the yard which overlooked his garden hmm. one day i overheard my daughter who was alone in the playroom say to someone okay i'll draw you but i need to find the red you have blood in your hair <laughs> My grandmother passed away when my mom was 17, and my mom told me that once when I was two or three, I kept talking to an empty seat next to my car seat in the car. When my mom asked me who I was talking to, I called her by her first name and said, Granny loves you. My mom started crying, and I didn't know why. Aww. When I was about five, I would always run down the hall into my parents' bed, terrified of the man talking to me from under my bed. <laughs> I never saw him, but I would hear him saying things, and somehow I knew he was wearing a raincoat and holding a lantern of some type. Well, when we moved out of my house, my dad was packing up my framed photos, and I saw one of his dad, 
who had passed away before I was born, from his time in the Navy. I told him, that's the man that talks to me from under my bed, and I've never seen my dad so nervous. Another creepy grandpa. I know. What the fuck? It says, apparently in the Navy, my grandfather often worked wearing rain gear and carrying lanterns for when it was dark on the... We live in a home in which a 103-year-old man died, and my three-year-old daughter is is constantly talking into the mirrors around the house. When I asked who she's talking to, she always answers, the neighbor. (laughs) That's so creepy. When my daughter was about 18 months old, we moved into an apartment building that was almost 100 years old. One day, my daughter was playing and singing Ring Around the Rosie when she stopped dead in her tracks, pointed to the corner of her room, and yelled, Mommy, pick me up. After that, she would refuse to go in any room alone. Uh, What the fuck? What did she say? I don't know. She didn't like it, though. Next one, when my son was a toddler, he had a rocking chair in his bedroom and was really afraid of it. He kept talking about the boy in his chair. Then one day I saw him waving to someone outside my bedroom window. When I asked who he was waving to, he said, the boy, he wants me to come play. We finally got rid of the rocking chair and shortly thereafter found out that a little boy drowned behind our house a very long time ago. I guess he wanted to play with my son. Next one, once my son asked me, who's that at the window? We were on the second floor. (laughs) When my sister was four years old, she was babysat by a family friend who lost her husband, Paul, suddenly before my sister was born. My sister had never heard about him before, but one day our babysitter heard my sister laughing and playing alone in the basement playroom. She called out to my sister and asked who she was talking to. My sister came upstairs and said, Paul was downstairs. He says hi and that he's okay. Uh Oh my God, I would lose my mind. Yeah. When I was a kid, I used to play for hours with someone I I thought was an imaginary friend only I could see. One day, my mom asked who I was talking to and I told her my brother. She turned white and left the room. When I said the same thing to my dad, he got really mad and sternly told me to never do that again. And I never saw my brother again after that. Fast forward 10 years later, when I was snooping through a family Bible, I found an entry showing that I did indeed have a brother. He died a year before I was born. It's crazy. I had just moved into a new house with my four-year-old son and two-year-old daughter, and I went into their room one night while they were asleep to find something. On my way out, I saw my son sitting straight up in his bed in a daze. He said, Mama... Who are all those kids? I responded, what kids? He said, all those kids behind you. Mm, I don't like it. That that gave me chills. (laughs) We had just moved into a new duplex when my three-year-old daughter, out of nowhere, said, there's a bad man. I asked her where, and she pointed to the attic door and said, there. We lived there for two years, and I'm still convinced it was haunted. Once my little sister told me there was a monster in her room, so I checked under her bed and assured her that it was safe. Then she pointed to a blank spot on the wall and said, then why is there a man in the wall looking at us? And to make matters worse, our unusually very calm dogs started, suddenly started barking and growling at that very spot and continued to do so every time he went in her room after that. 
I didn't sleep for weeks. We were house hunting, and we toured a house with a big backyard with a detached garage. After we left, I asked my son what he thought of the house. He said simply, we can't live there. There are ghosts screaming in the yard. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Ever since my little brother could talk, he would tell us about a man he calls Scary, who stands in the corner of his room when the lights are off. Once, we were looking through old an old photo photo album, and my brother pointed to a picture of my great-grandfather, whom he has never seen or met, and said, Look, it's scary. Why is he scary? Stupid grandpas. (laughs) (laughs) And this is my last one. We moved into our duplex when my daughter was two years old. She already had a few imaginary friends named Honey and buzza buzza <laughs> so we weren't surprised when she added a new one an old lady named mullen to the mix as as soon as we moved in whenever i talked about her my daughter would tell me that i was saying her name wrong but i couldn't quite understand her pronunciation a few months later i received a letter in the mail addressed to madeline then with the same last name as my neighbors on the other side of the duplex So I took them the letter just in case it belonged to them, and my neighbor told me that Madeline was her mother-in-law who had lived in our side of the duplex until she passed away three years earlier. Of course, I didn't think anything of this info until the next time my daughter mentioned her old lady friend, Mullen, and it suddenly clicked. So I asked my daughter, are you trying to say Madeline? And she became so excited that I finally pronounced her new friend's name right oh my gosh creepy kids creepy kids (laughs) creepy kids creepy grandpas yeah i don't think they're trying to be creepy no but they are they are (laughs) yeah tickling feet no (laughs) this is not a tickling podcast (laughs) this is not a tickling (laughs) podcast What was that called? Uh, oh, it's, a that's a dollop reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for the witty wrap up. Yay, witty wrap up. My four-year-old calls my small guitar a ukulele. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Been searching for my four-year-old's dog who is lost somewhere in the house, her imaginary dog. We still haven't found him. She's crying. Oh, <laughs> walked in on ten sneaking, or walked in on my ten-year-old sneaking Halloween candy, and when I asked her what she was doing, she looked me dead in the eye and said, "Practicing for what?" I don't know. <laughs> my twelve-year-old is into scary movies, but complained they aren't scary enough. So we just watched The Descent, and wow, you don't always know when you fuck up as a parent, but this was a big one. <laughs> me go to bed five-year-old i have to do one thing first me what five-year-old stay awake forever oh my gosh it's brilliant (laughs) after my son asked my daughter to play dragon ninjas i walked over and got the box of band-aids without a second thought (laughs) six-year-old my tummy hurts me must be the bag of cookies you ate six-year-old it's the other one not my cookie tummy 
Oh my gosh. Not my cookie tummy. <laughs> That's hilarious. Those go on a totally different tummy. That, that, doesn't, yes. that doesn't hurt at all. It's not the regular tummy. Yeah. That's the special tummy. It's my other one that made me eat broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying my husband and I are scared of our teen daughter, but we just rock, paper, scissor to see who has to wake her up. <laughs> my son would like you to know that he was not sleeping during the movie. He was just listening yeah. He's going to say that for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My four-year-old had a meltdown this morning because she wants to move to California. We live in California. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> My five-year-old asked if she could have a brownie, and I started to say no because it was too close to dinner, and she said, please, your highness. Oh. So I asked her where that came from, and she said, matter-of-factly, because you're my queen. So anyway, she's now having brownies for dinner. <laughs> I love that one. I know. Because <laughs> you're my queen. Oh, you can have that you can have all the brownies you want. You want some for breakfast too? <laughs> oh, I get it. You think you're better than me because your kid has both shoes on. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Coaching smart nine-year-old girls is cool. You can tell them to hold your bat like a sword or don't have spaghetti arms. And you know they're listening because they ask you, why are you using so many metaphors? <laughs> nine-year-old. If by sex party you mean my wife and I getting freaky in the living room while a bin full of our kids' stuffed animals creepily watch, then yes, I've been to a sex party. <laughs> You know you're a mom if you only use your iron for craft projects. <laughs> That's funny. There's an urban legend going around that one time a kid went on a 20-minute car ride without a tablet or fidget toys. What? <laughs> <laughs> Just when I thought my four-year-old was saying cock-cock instead of chocolate was bad enough, he's now starting to say cock instead. Oh, <laughs> cock <laughs> <laughs> my daughter found out that she can type 36.2 words per minute when texting which is odd because she always answers my texts with k <laughs> my last year or my last one five-year-old i made a mess so i'm going to clean it up me waits for twilight zone music to start <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's all I got. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Send in your stories. We need them. Ghoulsnightoutpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can look us up on Facebook. Request to join the group. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. And we will talk to you next week. Later. Bye.